I want to start by showing you a picture on the screen. It's a, it's a marketry picture that we saw when we were on holiday in, in Sorrento a few years ago. It, it, it really, it shocked me and, and grabbed me because it is an angel with one wing. It's one of the saddest images I've ever seen, and yet it has a message. The message perhaps is that everybody has something missing. Everybody has a, a fly in their ointment. Everybody hurts in, in some way. And it's probably a good thing that we do, because if we had absolutely nothing that contradicted us in life, we would be insensitive, and we'd never think or search or indeed look for God. The, the, the group REM um, sang a famous song a few years ago called Everybody Hurts. It goes like this, when your day is long and the night, the night is yours alone, when you're sure you've had enough of this life, well, hang on. Don't let yourself go, because everybody cries and everybody hurts sometimes. And that's very true. But the problem with REM's song is that it has no better reason to hold on. Here's what it says. Everybody hurts. Take comfort in your friends. Everybody hurts. Don't throw your hand in, oh no. So hold on, 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 hold on. Everybody hurts. But what do you hold on to? We need something to hold on, something more than just holding on for holding on's sake. Paul acknowledges in, in the passage we read, acknowledges human weakness, acknowledges, he acknowledges his own weakness. But he says this, this magnificent thing. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Yes, we're wasting away. Our bodies are growing old. We're dying, as all humanity have been through all the ages. But inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. And this is a key phrase in what Paul says in, in, in this chapter. Now, he's, he's, he's very explicit in agreeing that everybody hurts. As you work through um, the, the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of, of chapter 5 in, in, in 2 Corinthians, let's pick out a few phrases. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Then he speaks about in verse 17, our light and momentary troubles, well, maybe they don't seem so light, but they're troubles nonetheless. He talks about the earthly tent we live in, that is this frail body, being destroyed. He says, meanwhile, we groan. 
And he says in verse 4, For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. So here's a, a frank facing up to the plagues and ills and the, the thousand shocks that flesh is heir to, as Shakespeare said. Now earlier in, in chapter 2, in the seventh verse of chapter 4, uh, which we didn't read, he has said, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, jars of clay are fragile. If you walk across um, sites of any of the ancient towns in, in the Middle East, I remember walking across Megiddo, uh, the, the tell, the mound where it had been, and my feet were crunching through broken shards of pottery because that's what a lot of it was built up of. People had lived there for centuries and pots had got broken. Um, they, they didn't have metal saucepans or anything like that. They just, they had pottery and they got broken. And walking about, I was walking on heaps of broken vessels, a vivid picture of human lives. Paul says, we carry this treasure in jars of clay. What is the treasure he's speaking about? Well, the treasure that he's speaking about, he's addressing Christians in the church, is saying the treasure that you carry is the life of Christ in you. For God, in verse 6 of chapter 4, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And in verse 14, as we read, he said, You know, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. And if we are in Christ, we share in Christ's resurrection. We have been raised already to a new life, born in the Spirit. And yet Paul is very frank about the ills and the pains the shocks and the disappointments that we face. So how do we deal? How do we deal in the midst of all of that with the human tendency to despair in the face of suffering and dying? Well, we, we deal with it not by denial. We, we deal with it not by repeating endlessly as a mantra, a mantra, don't give up, don't give up. We deal with it by gospel hope. Christ has risen. He has won victory over death and despair. There is always hope where Jesus is because the best is yet to come. And, and until that comes finally at the end, he is with us. And God is working in all things for our good. And so Paul says in verse 18 of chapter 4 there, we, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
what is unseen is eternal. You know, even science tells us that what looks so solid to us is just a cloud of, of atoms. And those atoms themselves are just clouds of electrons floating around protons and neutrons. It all seems so solid, and yet it's just a cloud. But Paul says, what is really solid is God's world, God's heaven, God's purposes. God himself is, is solid. He is the rock. Now, we had a picture a moment ago. Let's go back to that. We had a picture of a pot. Here we are. You've probably never heard of the Japanese art of kintsugi. But it's, it's the skill of repairing broken pottery so that it looks more beautiful in the end than it did before it was broken. It is said that this came about because uh, the, the, the Japanese emperor had a very valuable pot, a very valuable piece of ceramic art that fell and was broken. The Chinese were the great masters of ceramic art, so he sent it there to be repaired. But when it came back, he was horrified. He was horrified at the way it, the, the job had been botched because it had been put together using metal staples, and in his eyes, it was ruined. So he turned to his own craftsmen and asked them to devise a better way of restoring broken pottery. And what they came up was this art of kintsugi, in which they mixed a resin together with gold dust. And they used this to stick the pieces together and fill the joins. And the results, like the pot in the picture, the results were so spectacular that it became a new art form. And what was repaired was better than it had been, more beautiful. And pot, pots were even broken so that they could be repaired with the wonderful veins of gold running through them. Now that to me is a wonderful picture. Wonderful picture of what God does in the gospel and what God does for his people. We are fractured, broken. And maybe you're here today and you're feeling broken. And God, God puts us and God has his own ways of putting us together again so that in the end, the end result is more beautiful than what it was before. There's a verse in Psalm 119 which says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now my heart praises you. God very often can use our troubles to make us better people in the end with him than we were at the beginning. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What Paul says in verse 17 of chapter 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. When we're in Christ, the new creation in, in, in the new heaven and the new earth, which began with Jesus rising, 
has also begun to take place in us. And that gives us, as we move through this passage, that gives us hope as we live in the midst of all that decay. Hope, this great and awesome word, which in the Bible is not hope so. I hope so. No. Hope in the Bible is, is more like the hope of someone who has had a solicitor's letter telling them they've been left a large sum of money, but it's going to take a little while to process it all legally. But it is coming to you, and you're hoping for it, but your hope is well-grounded. That's what biblical hope is. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. But Paul says, we know that if, this, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, eternal, in the heavens. Paul describes, we have a picture, I think, of a tent, a Bedouin tent, and a solidly built house. And Paul saying that the, the, this physical frame that you and I live in now, it's just like a tent. A tent can be blown away. If you've ever been camping in the midst of a, a wild storm and you were holding on to your, onto your tent to keep it from blowing away, um, you'll know. A tent is fragile, but a house, in comparison, is solid and can go on, in many cases, century after century after century. One is temporary, the other is permanent. We know, he says in verse 1 of chapter 5, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not made by human hands. Meanwhile, he says, we groan. Yes, we groan. But we know that the future is secure and, and we do not lose heart. And he goes on and he says in verse 5, because God has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And if we have a, a deep and genuine experience of God, we know the workings of his spirit within us. We know the things that the spirit does. We know the minor miracles that we've seen. We hear the voice of God addressing us. And Paul says, this is God's down payment on what you're going to get later on, which is assuredly coming to you. We do not lose heart. We have hope. We do not lose heart in the midst of decay. And then he goes on, and he tells us further that we have hope not only for the present, but we have hope for the future as well. We do not lose heart in any way. 
We don't lose heart as we face death, secondly. Now, we all face death. It haunts human lives. And even those of us who have Christian hope, if we're honest, we want to go on living. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And yet, Paul glows with the hope that Christ brings as we face death. We know that we will die. Some people have received a, a diagnosis that tells them they're going to die. Some of us watch are watching relatives who are suffering and in a terminal illness. And yet we all know that we will die. But Paul says we are confident. And know that as long as we live, we're away from the Lord, or we walk by faith after all, we don't see it. But we are confident, Paul says, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. For, as he says in Philippians, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is hope, strong hope. Christ is risen and we will rise with him. And as the Spirit of God lives within us, we are being renewed day by day. We have the resources. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, there are times when we have to hold on, but we can hold on because we have a reason to hold on. Because there is always hope. There is a light ahead. And there is help now. Because God is working for our good and the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And we have hope, and I move on quickly, we have hope because we meet with divine love. It's awesome. We have a Savior. We have a living Savior. Christ is risen. You know, so often, uh, we who are evangelicals, we are focused on the cross of Christ. And the cross of Christ is, is fundamental and basic. But the resurrection of Christ is also fundamental and basic. And the two should not hardly ever be, be mentioned one without the other. Christ died and Christ is risen. If he hadn't risen, his death would have meant nothing. It would have been a defeat by darkness and, and, and the devil. But he's risen. He's triumphant. And he's with us. All that we receive in, in the gospel, Paul says, this is, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Who took the initiative? Who took the first step? It was God, not us. Not us. The gospel is not a search for God. 
The gospel is God's search for us, the search of his divine and eternal love. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. When Jesus hung on his cross, God was there. Because it's God was in Jesus because he was God incarnate. God paid the price, the awesome price of love. And Jesus rose after he had died. And in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, Paul says a remarkable thing. He says, if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We do not lose heart. Though we're outwardly wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day because we have a living Savior who is able to save to the uttermost. Think of, the, think of those two pictures again. The one-winged angel. The one-winged angel shall fly again. Think of the broken pot. Remade more beautifully than it was in the beginning. This is the work of God in us who love him and know him. And this is what is offered to all who will have Jesus. May God bless his word to us today.